and welcome to the first episode of 2022. Uh, we are Second Features. I'm Adrian Smith and I'm here with my co-host. I'm Laura Main. Hello. Hi, everyone. And yes, have we got an episode for you today? Uh, my goodness. Yeah, we, we really do, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we're, um, we're doing another sex film. Well, another another sexploitation film. Um, now, Adrian, I know that this is your area of research, uh, and this is kind of you. You actually you know way more about this than I do, and I've been like really, it's been really fascinating for me uh, looking at all these different films and discovering these mm. new genres. I I swear this is the last time I'm going to suggest a sexploitation film. Is I'm it Adrian? Repeat- is it? I, Can you I'm, honestly yeah. say that? <laughs> no. Um, no, I can't. No, the, so yeah, so today we're going to be speaking to Dr. Victoria Rotello uh, in the, at the University of Alberta, and we're talking to her about her research into the Latin American film star Isabel Sali and her partnership with uh, the director Armando Bow. And they made, I think it was 27 films together over about 30 years in Argentina. And um, as is often the case, I think, with some of the other films that we've discussed, the stories around and behind the films are more interesting than perhaps the films themselves. Oh, I wouldn't. I don't know about that, though. I don't know about that. I don't know. <laughs> I, cer- I certainly think with this one, I mean, the, yeah, we'll get into the plot in a minute. But um, yeah, the story behind it and the, the story of that couple and their battles with censorship um and dictatorships and all these kind of things is really interesting and victoria's written a lot about this and she's published some things already which we'll put links to in the show notes um, and she also has a book coming out in march which she's been working on for about 10 years so um she'll wow. tell us about that later <laughs> yes and I, I know how that feels because oh no i i also know how it feels <laughs> we all know how it feels yeah <laughs> I mean, I have a sh- my shameless plug is that my book that I've just been writing for ten years, uh, co-authored with Adam Locks, uh, has just come out. So um, I can sympathise with uh, with her on that one. Well, I'm I'm only five years into mine, so I've got oh, another yeah. five years before it comes Yay. out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is how it has to work. So anyway, shall we talk about Fuego? Okay, so. Um... This is, uh, is, would you call it softcore pornography? I don't know if, I mean, it's more like, I don't know. I wouldn't call it pornography at all, really. Um, it's very much, it feel, it's got the feel of a daytime soap. The kind of yeah. thing that, you, it's like when, if you're on holiday in another country and you're flicking through the channels and just sort of getting random bits of soaps in languages you don't understand. But the general action on screen is kind of like this. But then every so often, the lead star takes all the clothes off. Every so often, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not sure if I'd say it was it was even soft core. Definitely um, sexploitation. There's like, I don't know. I mean, where's the line? Because there is a lot of tit mm. in this film. Um, mm. So, you know, it's it's. But there's not a lot of full frontal nudity. So where is the no. line between uh, something that's kind of softcore but not hardcore and something that is sexploitation? Like, what is the difference? I don't know. Somebody out there must be able to tell us the difference. Somebody's probably written a paper on it. But um, no, I'm not sure. I think maybe because there's quite a lot of plot 
then it's it edges more towards exploitation. Because hmm. I mean, well, as I'm, I'm going to probably bring this up later, but um, the film that this reminds me of the most are the kind of films of Russ Meyer, and I'm not sure if I would describe. So well, definitely maybe later on, but his '60s movies I wouldn't necessarily mm. describe as softcore porn, but I would say they were exploitation because mm. they're kind of melodramatic stories with lots of cleavage, yeah, um, and all the rest. So I don't know, but no, it's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> well, um, I really enjoyed the film. Oh, good. Um, I, I mean, it's. There might be kind of an assumption that you make that if it's ex- if it's exploitation, it's exploitative. Um, mm. But uh, you know, Isabel Sarley in this film, the character in the film, so the plot of the film, is that she is a nymphomaniac who doesn't really mm. want to be tied down to marriage, but she kind of reluctantly sort of does get married, and then she's she's not able to contain her sexuality, and that's kind of the plot, isn't it? Yeah, as the uh, as the DVD cover says, she's a woman on fire. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she. I mean, it's interesting because effectively, this is a film about somebody who is suffering from sex addiction. Yeah. And who needs proper clinical treatment. That's kind of. And to the point where they go and try and find medical treatment for her. But the, um, it, the medical treatment that appears to be on offer was not very helpful at all. Mm. And perhaps we, we can talk about that if we get, if we get into the plot. There's a scene with a doctor which had left my jaw on the floor. Uh, (laughs) um, But yeah, so it's sort of depicted that she's got this insatiable appetite for men and possibly women. No, well, yeah, women. Um, So she has her, uh, she has, is it her maid? Or her, yeah, I don't know. It's her maid, but there's quite a significant age difference. I felt like this woman might have been her nanny or something when she was younger. She seems to have been with this character for years and years and years was the impression I got. Yeah. But I might be reading too much into that. Um, but yeah, the first time we meet Isabel Sarley, she is in classic style bathing in a lake. Um, Isabel, has, I've read interviews with her where she's talked about how she was the cleanest woman in cinema <laughs> oh, because God. in every... <laughs> In every film, she is bathing somewhere in public, mm. in a lake, in a stream, in the sea. That's her signature move. And so I thought that was interesting that the opening scene is her bathing in this mountain lake somewhere um, where she is spied upon by a man on a horse who comes along. Classic. Um, whilst she is being toweled down and a little bit more from uh, her housekeeper maid slash lover Mm, yeah so it's a pretty strong opening it is it is um so she she basically the kind of crux of it is she can't she cannot be contained um the film is about how she can't contain her sexuality um and it's i I, yeah i'm not really sure there's certain bits of it i'm not really sure how to respond to and certain certain bits where i think this is saying kind of quite interesting things about women being tied to marriage and mm. husband and monogamy um so it is it's very and it's sort of anti-marriage <laughs> she 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 has to you know she can't kind of escape the bonds of matrimony mm. um and i think there's a suggestion as well perhaps that if this was a man if she was if this was a male character going around sleeping with as many women as he could find 
nobody would have a problem with that. Like that's quite good. Like the men that she goes out and finds, there's this extraordinary scene when she's just basically walking around the town trying to find a man who she can go off with. And these men are probably all married and have got lives too. But because she's a woman, that seems to be a much bigger deal. Mm. Like that's 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 more shocking in society than yeah, if it was just a yeah, man. Yeah, she's sort of transgressing those mm. expectations um, yeah. that society has of women, essentially, mm. isn't she? Yeah, which from what I can understand was sort of, that was a pretty uh, recurring thread through a lot of their films is that she is, she's more than... She's more than a woman. She's mm. too much woman mm. for... She's not going to conform to societal norms. Yeah. And the kind of... There is a lot of focus on her pleasure, isn't there? Mm-hmm. In that the pleasure yes. that she is getting from sexual encounters with uh, with the kind of men she meets. So we mm. it kind of lingers on that a bit. And I again, I wasn't sure where I... Like how I felt about it in terms of like um who is it is it for i mean it's for a, a male audience presumably or but you know at the same time we are kind of seeing a woman experiencing pleasure and she's loving it on screen so there is this kind yeah. of dynamic which the film mm-hmm. it kind of carries on throughout the film and yeah i found it kind of interesting i wasn't really sure what to think about it no no um the the look on her face it, i mean it's not a comedy but you can you can laugh at this film and i think i'm sure people do it's because i've read interviews with john waters um where he talks about how she was a big influence on the character of divine really was, yeah wow the, the the way that she kind of the, the face that she has on her as she's walking around oh <gasps> yeah yeah no no i see with yeah. her massive fur <laughs> coat on and sort of pouting and all, all very serious and intense um, was a big influence. He said that he used to go and watch these films, especially this one, um, you know, with Divine. And the, with, wow! Yeah, what a so, great fact. Yeah. So, <laughs> but if you so knowing that when you watch this film, it just sort of made me laugh a little bit more than perhaps I'm supposed to. But, so, yeah, I mean, Sarley was a big influence on John Waters, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, there's a, I found there's a great interview, if I can find the link again, I'll put that in the show notes as well, where he finally meets her and gets to have a chat with her. But yeah, he was a big fan. He's programmed films of hers at film festivals and stuff before. Um, so yeah, he's been a real sort of champion. Because although, I mean, her films, as far as I can tell, none of them ever got cinema releases over here in the UK. So the only place, you know, the sort of English-speaking world was New York and and the more cosmopolitan areas of America or Spanish-speaking cinemas in America. So um, so Americans may be more familiar with her films than uh, than we are. I had never heard of Fuego mm. uh, until before you suggested it. Yeah. Well, I first discovered Isabel Sali as part of my... Um, in the early days of my PhD research, I bought a load of stuff. I've probably told this story before. But I bought everything that this guy had who had collected at some point 20 years earlier the remains of the Compton film office he'd basically Compton were chucking everything out of storage into a skip and he kept it and he'd been selling it off at film festivals uh, film fairs ever since and so I went to his office and I gave him lots of money and he just let me take everything that he had that had Compton on it 
So I've got this big box of stuff. How much amongst, money did you give him? <laughs> um, not enough, probably, now that I think <laughs> about it. I got quite a good deal. Um, but in amongst all this this stuff was publicity materials that Compton had created about Isabel Sarli coming to the UK to make films with Armando Bow. And they were going to distribute one of her films called Naked Temptation. And um, they were going to then co-produce films with them. So she came to the UK. Uh, I ended up speaking to a guy who'd worked for Compton and who had met her. But um, the first film that they submitted to the BBFC, Naked Temptation, just wasn't going to go anywhere. Too, no, I can imagine. Too much. Mm. So uh, they went home again and that co-production, that deal just never happened. Mm. So that was the closest they got to making films over here. But it was interesting to kind of discover that. And that's what then led me to doing a bit more research and finding out more about her and, uh, and Armando Bo. So there you go. So I did write something about that a few years ago, which I will also put in what is now turning into very long show notes. Well, you know, um, we might have readers who want to be really informed. Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> well, listeners yeah. who want to be very informed. Um, yeah. and, and they can. Uh, yes. So thank you for putting those together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so the, the plot, she's trying to get, she wants to die, ultimately. She wants him to kill her her husband, because she can't find a way to stop herself from behaving in the way that she behaves. And he's trying to get her medical help, um, which doesn't go very well, it's fair to say. Okay, yeah. Um, there's... <laughs> so she, like, the solution to her being hypersexual is to, to die, is is kind of... Yeah, mm. that's what that's what's... Um, that's what the film kind of suggests, isn't it? Yeah. Um, or to be medicated. Again, contained. Like, she yeah. she wants to be contained. Um, and the only way she feels she can towards the end is, like, she has to die. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and she goes to see... So her husband's been getting advice from a doctor, and he talks about how she's got these uh, this problem. And it's, uh, they talk about it like this is a psychological thing, and eventually she might just grow out of it in old age. But eventually he agrees to see her. So uh, so the husband brings her along to see the doctor. But then it turns out this doctor is more of a gynecologist than a psychologist based on the... Because he doesn't speak to her. He just brings her into his office, sticks her on the table, mm. straps, gets her feet up in the air, and then and then sends her out again. It's like, that's it's the, the worst bit of um, medical help I've seen anybody ever receive in a film, I think. Yeah. What she needs is proper counselling. Uh, well, um, I mean, what she needs is a society that understands that women well, like that. sex, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> perhaps that is what she needs. Well, yeah, well, yeah that's true. Yeah, there's a, yeah there's, there, there's a good point. Um, so, so then they decide to go to New York because the doctors might know more about how to help her in New York. But then, so we go to New York and then I don't think they actually visit any medical professionals do they they just sort of wander around for a bit mm. and then she threatens to jump off the hotel roof and then they go home well did you say that the scenes in new york might be because it was it was planning on being screened there or was that a thing? i don't know it, it, well it just seems a bit it seems a bit stuck in for no apparent reason because they don't do anything to advance the plot in new york well isn't it a thing in some sort of more exploitation -y films that 
you know, travelogue stuff is filler. So yeah. we've got scenes and shots of the city or the landscape, essentially, yeah. because travelogues were more of a thing back then, you know, films about yeah. places. So True. it wouldn't have been that out of place, possibly. Which might have been quite exciting for the people in New York who were going to watch the movie. Mm. Um, but also, I suppose, interesting for rural audiences in Argentina. Perhaps. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. We can ask Victoria. Um, yeah. So, well, I'm glad that you enjoyed the movie. I was, again, with any of these sorts of films, I'm slightly hesitant to recommend them. But Why are you hesitant to recommend well, them? Well, just because of all the boobs. All the boobs. Because <laughs> you're the guy who recommends all the boobs. <laughs> I know. But, it, but honestly, it's because I, want, I've, I wanted to, be able to uh, have the opportunity to talk to Victoria about her research. Mm. And what she's written, uh, what bits I've read are very interesting. And that's the really, that's really the excuse. That's, so, you know, the film is kind of secondary, <laughs> I think. Mm. Um, although it is a very interesting movie and it makes me want to see more of their films and because they did all kinds of other films too this one's very much a melodrama but there's kind of jungle adventure films Mm. and there's shipwreck films there's kidnap dramas there's prison women in prison films they did a whole lot of interesting stuff and and i would like to explore it a bit further yeah i mean the thing with the thing that's coming out of the sort of more exploitation films we've done on the podcast is how how much understanding maybe it's not the text itself you know it's looking beyond Mm. it how much understanding it brings about how the film industry worked on the low end of things because there's not a lot of focus in film scholarship always on the more sort of seedier side of the industry but that's also important Mm. for understanding how it worked and it also provides us with so much understanding about society and censorship and what people thought were, was acceptable or not. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's all these great kind of national variations. So the British sex film looks quite different from the Argentinian sex film. So there's oh, all yeah. these avenues and conversations that this kind of text opens up. And so, you know, what I'm trying to say here uh, to the listeners is that Adrian's not a pervert. he's not it's going to be really problematic for a modern audience because it's from the past and Mm. there were many many problematic you know society was problematic still is but in in different ways um so again but again that is kind of interesting too in a way those unfamiliar Mm. less familiar and more sort of um shocking views Mm. you get of like yeah yeah patriarchy in this film and the way that mm-hmm. she you know the, Isabel Sarley is kind of has to be contained and medicated because of her desires that kind of yeah. thing yeah no no you're right and this is a film I know that there are people who use this film with students teaching exploitation film and things because this this was probably their biggest international success Fuegos probably the most famous of their of their films it's currently um, not really very easily available it was on dvd from something weird video and it's on youtube i think in a very poor print um but hopefully it'll get a decent release at some point because these are films that do deserve to be reviewed and uh, and reappraised and put into you know context and all that. anyway <laughs> I'm rambling. um should we talk should we talk to victoria yes yeah let's introduce victoria okay
So I'd like to welcome to the podcast Dr. Victoria Rotallo. I hope I've said that about right. That's um, correct. Um, she is Associate Professor of Spanish and Latin American Studies in the Department of Modern Language and Cultural Studies at the University of Alberta. And uh, so this is exciting that you're our first transatlantic guest on the podcast. So wow, I feel special. <laughs> yeah. That's very cool. So the film that we're talking about this time is Fuego, which was a huge hit in its day, but I know didn't get a lot of attention over here and well, never really got seen here in the UK. And it's perhaps a film that's sort of forgotten about now, particularly uh, Isabel Sali and Armando Bo. And you have been flying the flag for these uh, for this filmmaking husband and wife team for for several years now and i wondered if we could we'll talk about some of your publications but i wonder if you could just tell us a little bit how you how you first came to discover armando bow and isabel sali and what was it about them that interested you so much so this actually happened a long time ago when i was doing my phd um i was taking a class on the poetics of of um Tierra del Fuego, or, or the Poetics of the South in um, in the department. And we had to um, take these films and just, just give a synopsis of some films as, as kind of an annotated bibliography on films about the South. And, and I took uh, an, uh, Last Love in Tierra del Fuego, which is one of Armando Bo and Isabel Sarli's films that were that was made during the dictatorship and it was over the top it was bad uh, but it, it it really inspired me to 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 look and then I became I was um, a research assistant for Dr. Ana Lopez this was at Tulane where I studied and I found Fuego and so Fuego, um, I watched Fuego and I thought, oh my goodness, I need to, <laughs> I need to study this stuff <laughs> because I just thought it was, it was bad, but it was also interesting. And there were a lot of elements of sexuality and that's, and that's where I, I became interested in it. And, um, and that's when Dolores and I said we really need to to do a book on exploitation or what became known as exploitation, what we termed exploitation, and 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 it all just kind of snowballed from there. And and I'm my right now I'm doing um, just research on this stuff, not just Isabel Sarli and Armando Bo, but sexploitation from Latin America. Cool. Um, so, Victoria, what interested you about Fuego then? Um, like, it is very overdramatic, isn't it? And I guess you could call it bad. But um, yeah, what, what specifically kind of fascinated you about this film in particular? Well, I sort of knew a little bit about the, the context of Argentina. And in 1968, while there was a lot of um, talk about sexuality and sexuality was an element, uh, worldwide, it wasn't in Argentina. It was it wasn't as um, as prevalent, and so on film, definitely on film. And they were they were um, they were the the pioneers to bring sexuality to film in Argentina, and they were doing it already in the in the late fifties. And so um, so that's where I, I I thought it was really interesting 
given the context, knowing what was happening in 1968 in Argentina, I found the film interesting and it really made me curious about what role mm -hmm. sexuality had at the time of this at the time of like a very cold war, a time of cold, the cold war, um, ideological warfare against the left. Um, this movie was very unique and different. Yeah. I mean, it's so overt and I mean, it's called fire, mm. isn't it? It's, it's all about raw sexual energy and not being able to hold it in and it, until it consumes you. It's just so kind of in your face. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it, I mean, it feels to me, it feels very much like a Russ Meyer film. Mm -hmm. It's like if, I mean, if Russ Meyer had married one of his leading ladies and then just made films with her for 30 years, sort of feels like what they were doing. I mean, I don't know if there's ever any connection or inspiration between one and the other, but they, they seem to be making films similarly melodramatic mm -hmm. and, and sexual. It that's an interesting comparison. Um, first of all, Isabel Sarli and Armando Bo were never married. Uh, oh. She, they were, oh, okay. they they were partners. Um, oh, okay. But he was married and had children uh, with another wife, and because oh. there was no divorce allowed in Argentina, and but people knew that they were together. That uh, that that Armando Bo and Isabel Sarli were together. Um, and so I think I think it's interesting that you bring up Russ Myers, right? Uh, the first movie that they did, uh, Thunder Among the Leaves, was was in 1956, 1956, 1958. Mm -hmm. It came out, um, and so it was previous to Russ Myers, but it had. It had that um, nudie cutie kind of element to it of exposing nudity, and I think it was it was influenced by the European cinema that was arriving in Argentina and was seen with no problems because it was considered art cinema. And yet, Thunder Among the Leaves really had a hard time being released in Argentina. Um, but you can certainly map the nudie, you can certainly map the development of sexploitation with the work of Armando Bo and Isabel Sarli. I think that they were both pioneers, but at the same time also following the trends. Mm. So for maybe for the benefit of listeners who might be new to the idea of sexploitation as a genre, like can we define what is meant by nudie cutie? Yeah, so so the the early phases of sexploitation, they're basically films that feature sexuality or that show sexuality. Um, the early phases would be the nudie cutie, which is really just showing breasts mainly. Um and exposing the female body on screen. And then we see a development later on in the mid 60s where the, there is more um, rough and violent um, uh, sexual elements. And you see that in the work of Bo and Sarli as well. Um, mm -hmm. And then later on, you will see more, um, something closer to the hardcore especially um, mm. into the 70s. 
Yeah, that's. I think that's a thing, isn't it? In so many countries, uh, even in Britain, we we get softcore that's British mm. in the seventies. <laughs> I think we the censorship yeah. really relaxes. <laughs> that's interesting. It? You mentioned how the European films were coming into Argentina and they were not being censored because they were seen as being art films. But then when Armando Bo tries to do a similar thing, he gets sort of stamped down on hard. And you've written a really interesting paper, which I'll, I'll put a link to in our show notes, about their struggles with censorship in Argentina. And a very similar thing um, was happening, as, as Laura just mentioned, in the UK, where we were getting European films. They were being cut a little bit, but they were given far more leniency than then if British filmmakers tried to do the same thing the BBFC were not having any of it. So it seems to be similar that if films are coming in from outside, they're, they've got an art house status, but the homegrown stuff is, is and, kind of yeah. forbidden. And at least it's not British people doing yeah. those dirty things. I think that's, well, that's the point, isn't it? Can't yeah, see yeah. British people having sex, but yeah. anyone else is mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it, it's interesting because they, as I said, they were the pioneers in Argentina. But then... Um, I think as they developed their um, as they developed their style, it became clear that for me, anyways, and this is what I argue in my book, that the issue that they had, and they had more issues than other people. I mean, censorship was was an important factor for all films, but um, Isabel Sarli and Armando Bo were seen as had a lot of issues and I believe that that had to do with the way they were politically seen um, that their films were identified as working class and if, even if you look at In Fuego um, the, the type of men that Isabel Sarli has sex with, right, her husband is an engineer, a well you know, an entrepreneur but she ends up going out into the streets having sex with random men that do not look they're not they're not porn stars <laughs> they are no. they are they are workers no. they look no. like workers and the and the context of work is really important in all of their uh, in all of their films so there is a class um there is a, a class reading that you can do throughout their films. Uh, I like the bit when um, when the husband comes home and finds her in bed with this guy and he's getting ready to beat up this guy and he's like, it's not my fault. I just came to fix the fridge or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's interesting to, to take uh, it from a, from a class perspective. Um, so because pre obviously um, didn't Isabel Sally eventually... She was given a like an, a she was given a position by the government in Argentina, right? Like an ambassador, cultural ambassador, or something like yes. that. Is that right? That's correct. She was later recognized for her work, um, and and just she was later recognized for her work um, by the. Um, by the by the government of Argentina so she took on she, so she became accepted and she was accepted in in, in the popular culture mm. um, so uh, Victoria I uh, I noticed you talk about Isabel Sarli uh, just staying on the class thing like her as a star uh, you talk about her as being sort of put in this um, 
mm. maybe working class mold or um was that was that a factor in her stardom and how much of a factor was that that, that idea of mm-hmm. class i think i think that it was a factor in her stardom um she was uh, she plays a lot of humble characters, but at the same time, so it, it had a dual um, characteristic because at the same time she was the star that um, working class men had access to in her films. Um, so, so she does have um, this double uh, perspective, this double um, identity in her films. It's interesting the parallels with um, the British sex film and how many of them, it's beautiful women um, making themselves available to working class, quite dowdy looking men. You know, <laughs> funny that, isn't it? <laughs> well, the thing that's interesting about this case is because they had the same. They really basically had the same crew or they worked with the same crew, a lot of the same actors. There is a consistency, even though the stories change, Mm. um, there is a consistency and and you can make these kinds of, um, you can look at their films beyond just one single text. Mm. Um, I think actually... uh, a lot of what I'm saying you can see in Fuego, but you wouldn't see it if you if you didn't know the rest of the films. Mm. So, is it um, the case that like, Armando Bo has, uh, you know, they've made all these films mm-hmm. together? Um, so, is there like an authorial style? Um, are there things that come out of that body of work uh, as opposed to like? Because I've only seen Fuego, so I, I mm-hmm. have no idea. Yes, I think that that. I'm arguing, so in the book, I, I call them both Sarli because I don't think that you can separate the two. More than being lovers, they were, um, they worked together to the point where even she, Isabel Sarli, um, was part of the direction and would be would be involved in the post production. She spoke English very well. She was she 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 actually was in in a film that was um, produced by uh, Columbia Pictures um, and filmed in South Africa, um, and she and she spoke English in that movie. Oh, which film uh, was that? It's it's called The Virgin Goddess, um, okay. and and that was um, that was and it was Armando Bo and his son Victor Bo, who's in the movies as well. Um, appear in that movie but they do not speak english so they basically um they're dubbed and Mm. they say whatever (laughs) they just make language up or they say names of play (laughs) soccer players throughout the whole time um (laughs) yeah i mean that's interesting because the goddess is what she became known as wasn't it that was sort of how she was referred to in general she in you know i know in the the material that I had that I've written about that so when she came to try and start a career uh, with films in this country, they kept referring to her as the goddess, this new star as the goddess. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that comes from some of her films as well. Yes, yes. A lot of the names um, of the films um, have that. So for instance, um, The Virgin Goddess is 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 one 
Um, but she she was she was known um, as a goddess, or, or mm. people saw her as that. And she she never made any films with anyone else, is that right? It was only Armando Bo. I, I saw an interview with her um, where she was offered work with Robert Aldrich, I believe, mm-hmm. but she only ever wanted to be directed by Bo. Is that right? That's correct. But she did make an, she did make a film that um, is an interesting example. So when they when all of their films were were very much. At, in the early stages, their films were censored by what was called code, Penal Code 128. So anybody could denounce a film and say this is this is more immoral and it shouldn't be shown. And a lot of their films went into court under that code, that Penal Code. Um, so at one point, all their films were basically in in court, uh, in court proceedings, and and in in 1963. Uh, Armando Bo went and made another film without Isabel Sarli. It was just mm. um, it was just a melodrama, and um, a sports melodrama. And and uh, Isabel Sarli went and made the female. So you can something weird video. Okay. You can get the female, and that's not made by Armando Bo. It was made by Leopoldo Torrenilson, and that was a film that was that really was an art film about a prostitute it's a story of a, a prostitute who who has this kind of um, crisis and is constantly thinking about her life and she's obsessed with this hole in the roof where, where she has sex with her with her clients and so it's a very intellectual film and um, when it came into the U.S., they actually added scenes to that film. They added sex scenes to that film. And Leopoldo Torrenilson is was the the um, the leader of the generation of 1960. So he he was doing art kind of films. And so it's very interesting that this art director, this complete auteur. Um, had his films tampered with when they when when he came into the U.S. or when they were seen in the U.S. and and scenes were added uh, with Isabel Sar- supposedly Isabel Sarli having sex. Oh, yeah. But was it was it her or was it somebody else? It was somebody else. Oh, I see. The scenes were added of somebody else having mm. sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, that's the kind of thing that distributors would do mm-hmm. quite regularly, I guess. But um, they're a very yeah. unethical bunch sometimes, <laughs> aren't they? So, um, but Fuego was a huge hit in America, wasn't it? It was shown in New, I know New York, especially in Spanish-speaking cinemas and things. It, it became a really big hit at the time, and is perhaps I don't know, perhaps her most well-remembered film now. Yes, it is. It was. It's interesting because of all their films, it was the only one that was not first screened in Argentina. So it was first screened in New York, mm-hmm. um, and so 1968, a, a law comes into um, a, a new law comes in in Argentina where they actually permit the cutting of films, the and the prohibit prohibition of film of certain films right and this this law was going to have 
a big effect on the work of Bo and Sarli. And so as, as that was happening in, in, in post-production, um, Bo, Bo had already had four uh, interviews with the censors and he knew that, that, it, that Fuego would not be screened in Argentina in its entirety. Uh, it was screened finally in 1971 with two scenes missing from it. So he took it to New York. He tried to sell it and 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 Columbia Pictures bought it and and it was screened in New York and it became a big hit. And that's the reason why a lot of um there there there's probably self-censorship in Fuego, but Fuego is was was screened as is um in New York. Do you think he had one like, do you think he was planning that all along? Because the sequence where they go to New York and just sort of wander around for a bit and then go home again seems it doesn't really seem like it's necessary other than if you were planning to show it in New York and you wanted everyone to go away because like she walks past cinemas and it, that whole sequence seems relatively pointless unless you were just doing it because you wanted to appeal to New Yorkers, I suppose. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Um, I don't think he was doing it all along. I think that uh, he, most of his films he wanted to screen in Argentina. They had an audience, a huge audience, mm-hmm. and they were and they were thinking about them regionally. And that's why a lot of their films were co-productions with other Latin American countries, in particularly countries that didn't have a very developed film industry. But not solely, because they also did work in in Mexico and in Brazil, a lot of work in Brazil. But um, so I think that his focus was always Argentina. But because censorship, and especially in 1968, that's when things were starting to get tough. Um, he he took he took the film to New York, and maybe he added that sequence later. And that's mm. I. Um, it's really hard to to get information on this um, because I talk about this in my book. The the whole there there were there was an archive um, of every from 1963 to 1983 uh, of 20 years for every film that was screened in Argentina, and they had a file. The archive contained a file for all the films screened in Argentina. And that archive has disappeared. Oh no! And we have remnants oh. of that archive that I and I talk about that in my book. <laughs> um, but it is, but but some of this history is lost because of that. Oh, that's mm. all. That is, yeah. <laughs> I feel the pain of that just as an archive historian. Oh my god! Yeah. Um, tragic. Can we talk about the ending of Fuego? Sure. Because I. <laughs> The way the film was going, I wasn't expecting a double suicide. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't either. Um, Yeah, maybe it would be good to put that into context. (laughs) Um, So one of the the possibilities, and and I don't know the answer to that question, um, was that they needed to have a suicide or or they needed to have a... um, an ending where the the star or the or the kind of sexual um, promiscuity is punished. So that was a, that's a possibility. Um, although suicide 
for in a Catholic nation is not seen as as uh, something <laughs> positive or as a as yeah. a good resolution. Um, it's I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Mm. I mean, I kind of read it as um, like the. I don't know, she, she was sort of, the sexual energy burned her up to the point where she just had to escape her own body to yeah. escape being this kind of animalistic, kind of sexual, sexually motivated creature. So she she literally, she literally mm -hmm. has to die. And then she is yeah. a ghost. And spiritually, and then her husband dies too. So spiritually, they can be together and they walk, yeah. they go off at the end. It's kind of a happy yeah. ending. Mm -hmm. Their spirits kind of intertwine and they, and they go off. So I'm not sure how far they're punished. But I think I read it as like, you know, they could be together spiritually, but not mm -hmm. in the flesh. Um, but that mm. was just my interpretation. Uh, and that that could be completely wrong. <laughs> but I, I kind of didn't think it was, it does seem really mm. tragic, doesn't it? A double suicide. But I think there was something to take from the ending. Um, like something a bit yeah. more uplifting. I just, I, it was, because it, it, the plot, I mean, we've, we've used the word melodrama already and it's certainly got a feel in places of a kind of Douglas Sirk type drama. Um but then, yeah, all of a sudden, they're both ghosts. That just really took me by surprise, I think. <laughs> Particularly, like you said, because it's a Catholic country and suicide is not something that's, you know, not it's not something you do. So for them for them to both commit suicide and then that be a happy ending, like you said, that they're, they're together again now, that seems to be... I mean, were they... What, what, did they criticise religion or Catholicism or accepted dogma in any of their other films because this seems to be saying that it's it's kind of okay i don't know um yes they do but then there are other films where they are there's there is a lot of catholicism and a lot of catholic kind of imagery um they you can't so what I find with their films is you can't really pinpoint. Um, this is part of the argument in my book. You can't say, you can't take a film outside of the context and you can't, and it's very difficult to give it a reading because the opposite reading also exists. Mm. Um, and so thinking rather than um, the representation and, and the direct reading of each film, Thinking about the whole and thinking about these, what I do in my book is I think about these moments that I call affective moments, and they're moments creating some sort of affect that 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 goes to all the different kinds of spectators that watched these movies, and so so that might that might um, not be geared towards a Catholic audience. I don't know if any of their films were, although they do make references to a lot of the imagery, Catholic imagery, and they do make references to the tradition, the Catholic tradition in Argentina. Um, and I also think that they do, um, you can also argue that they mock it, right? Um, mm. In some ways, so. I find it hard to really to really pinpoint their work. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. It's, it's very, um, in the tradition of cultural studies, a multiplicity of meanings and looking at the ways it affects different spectators. Uh, yeah. And I, like, 
for all the the film is very melodramatic and um very over the top in places uh i did uh i was affected by it and i did take away some uh yeah some interesting kind of meanings and interpretations um like the spiritual and i find the ending Mm -hmm. quite spiritual um and i really uh i kind of read read the the challenge to marriage Mm -hmm. in the film you know she doesn't want to be married and she ends up getting pinned down by marriage and then uh, she's constantly just chafing at the bonds of marriage. And the fact is that if she didn't have to be married, she could have sex with whoever she wanted. It's, it's, the, <laughs> it's the patriarchal structure she lives in, which is the problem. Um, you know, and her sexuality is also kind of positioned as mm-hmm. a problem. And I just really kind of found that very interesting. The, the uh, challenge to marriage, in most of the films, there is no marriage. Um, so it's a very interesting contrast to classical uh, classical Argentine cinema and just 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 representation in Argentine cinema I mean in any cinema right but but absolutely and there are no children except in some of the the films that they were trying to get by the censors so so there is no um, the sexuality doesn't have doesn't reproduce it's not it's not meant for reproduction it's it's meant for pleasure um, I think that you can certainly say that yeah and in your article about censorship you mentioned um at least one other film where she is involved or there are lesbian scenes. I think it's in a, in a prison, uh, the one mm-hmm. that we talk about. But obviously that's something else that we get in this film is that she has a relationship with her housekeeper. Mm-hmm. And how, at that time in Argentina, how was how were relationships between women viewed in society? And mm-hmm. was this an extra sort of shocking element in the film? Absolutely. Um so the 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 it's not really until the 1980s at the end of the dictatorship in 1983 when the new social movements really takes um takes Argentina by storm and you we see the expression of of homosexuality become more open so it's really not until 1983 so these films from early on, um, I also talk about in 1953, there was kind of these insinuations of homosexuality in a movie that was, that was produced by Armando Bo by, um, and called The Tigress. And, and that was completely censored, that movie. It was, it was prohibited. So, um, so it was, it is very, um, it was a very radical thing to show on screen at the time. And, and, and that's why it would have been censored. Mm. Um, And yeah, intimacies of a prostitute uh, was done in 1973 and it still had a lot of issues, especially the lesbian scenes in the prison. And, and here Mm. he was working with like, you know, women in prison films. So again, he, he's influenced by the whole, all the trends in the mm. in sex exploitation. Um, you mentioned at the beginning how they were pioneers in what they were doing in Argentina. So, were there many other films and filmmakers who came along, inspired by Bo and Sally, that were that were doing similar things, or were they? Did they continue to be at the the sort of the main ones all the way through? 
So what happened was um, the Italian sexy comedies were really popular in Argentina. And so that kind of style continued. And even though there was censorship, even even in its in the harshest time of censorship, a lot of those movies were still seen um, because they were because women didn't have such agency. Like in, in Fuego, you see her. She does have agency. She's still, even though she's struggling, yeah. she still has her sexuality. And um, and in other movies, she even has more agency than in Fuego. Yeah. So, so they were pioneers and they were always pioneering what came next. The other film, there were other films that were showing sexuality, especially in the early 70s. There was a lot of them. Um, but but none of them were really pushing the boundaries like Bo and Sarli. Mm. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, you know, any attempt for me to watch Fuego and apply some kind of uh, a reading of it where she's being exploited, for example, just couldn't do it because she has too mm. much agency and she is enjoying herself too damn much. <laughs> And I think that really comes across. And I just, yeah, I, th- I, found, it, I found it really mm-hmm. fascinating. Uh, yeah. I want, has there been a box set? Has there been, like, have these films been released in, uh, you know, by, by cult media outlets and in box sets or, or anywhere we could sort of get it's them? It's very, it, you can, it's very hard to get the films. It was, it was really hard for yeah. me to get them. Now you can see a lot of them um, without subtitles on YouTube and but you it's very difficult and i think that maybe she passed away in june of 2019 so um and that was after meeting john waters who's one of her biggest fans mm. oh and in my wow. book i talk about annie sprinkle being one of her fans <laughs> she actually she writes the forward to my book wow um so so she um I think that maybe now there's more interest and hopefully my book comes out in March yeah. of this year. Hopefully that will also inspire more work on mm. her. So yeah. Um, where can we, where can we get your book? It's called Violated Fla- Frames. Um, this, the um, Armando Bo and Isabel Sarli Sexploits. And it's coming out of um, University of California Press um, in the feminist media histories um, series, and it'll be out in March of this year. That sounds like another book I'll have to put on a top shelf <laughs> in my house. I think most of the stuff in your house has surely got to be on a high shelf, Adrian. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's really fascinating, and it's. Um, I mean, hopefully, as you mentioned, you know, these films should be getting restored and we should be able to see more of them. My understanding is that Fuego is being restored and is going to be coming out with subtitles at some point. But who mm-hmm. and by who and when and where, I couldn't say. But that's what seems well, to be the case. There are a few films that have uh, disappeared. But, mm. um, for instance, the... the um, Museum, the Museum of Cinema in Buenos Aires found a copy of one of the films called India. It was from 19, it's from 1960, early 60s. And, and they restored it. And so um, 
it is a beautiful restoration of the film. Mm. So hopefully, hopefully others will do the same. So, so that's good. So places like that in Argentina, so sort of, you know, with the, the official sort of academy of film in Argentina, they are, they happily sort of embrace these films now, do they? I think so. I think there is more acceptance of them mm-hmm. and the, and the role that, that Armando Bo and Isabel Sarli had in, 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 in the history of cinema of Argentina. Un alma que embriagase con su So I'd like to thank Dr. Victoria Rotello for speaking to us about her research. And uh, as I think I probably already said, I'm really looking forward to reading her book. I have pre-ordered it. uh, So I get it as soon as it arrives. And the link is in the show notes, isn't it? Of course, Mm. in the the book length show notes, Mm -hmm. uh, you can find a link to her book. It is, um, is, I think it's at the University of California Press, but uh, it is available on Amazon in the UK as well. Um, yeah, so thank you everybody for listening. Um, and I don't know what else to say. It's what's uh, our next film? Our, do you know? This is this is our twelfth episode, and next film we haven't decided. Oh, <laughs> intriguing! But we have got some. We've got some good guests lined up for twenty twenty two. So uh, we uh, we're going to keep going with this thing. Okay. If you if you have any ideas, anyone out there wants to share their research with us we are very keen to hear from you just email us um second features uh, what is it again second features pod at gmail.com and we're on twitter at second features excellent thanks um yeah and thank you to victoria uh so yeah we'll we'll uh reconvene next time for watch this space to be confirmed (laughs) <laughs> okay, thanks everybody. Bye. Take a into my eyes. Yeah, the eyes of the lightness. Feel the power, they in light. A little look, a little touch. You know the power of silence. Yeah, keep it up, keep it up. I was looking for some high, high highs, yeah. Till I got it, does it, yo. You got me belly can fly, 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 yeah.
You got me pelican, fly, 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 yeah.